I did then is I drank a lot of coffee over the next few days, and then every time I had to go to the bathroom, I peed on the walls. I peed ah, around every wall. Really? Yeah. And and uh, and they just let it know that. And I was eating a lot of meat. Let you know that really a really big carnivore. <laughs> Is he? Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't yeah, tell if he's serious or no, not. Right he now. is serious, and it Get was it. it's completely an excuse. Like his wife was like, Bradley, you've been eating nothing but cheese for three days. He's like, I, gotta, I gotta smell up that fence. Wild times. Yes. Hello, BTG. Hello. What's up, buddy? Gentlemen, gentlemen, it's it's been far too long. I've been Cheers. You know, I just been, I'm gonna suck on this this this. Yes. Yeah. What is that? Ibuprofen? <laughs> it is. It is. I'm gonna lay off the booze for today. I've torn the meniscus in my right knee, and uh, and no, it was actually a good thing because I, I, <laughs> I I'm sure it was an agony. But then I went in to see the ortho, and they you now they did the MRI and the the X-rays, and they said you've torn your meniscus, and I was thrilled because I didn't think I had any meniscus left. Yeah. No, no, that's your peniscus. Yes. Ah, nice. <laughs> well. For those of you who are new, welcome to episode 114 of The Wild Times. I'm Papa P, the Spiceman, the producer. Yeah. Along with me is the professor. Oh, hey. Mr. Peter Fitzer. How are you? Listen, it's the middle of the day. I have have this cocktail, which is a vodka soda with a splash of tangerine juice. Nice. But I also have to support our sponsor, Fat Tire. Ooh. And I'm like, well, I had already poured this. I'm like, fuck it. I'll just drink both and then go back to work after. Cheers, Perfect. mates. Yeah, that Cheers. That one curdle in your belly like old paint. And <laughs> my asshole already hurts. Nice. <laughs> separate issue. Forrest is somewhere in Australia, I believe, by now, filming a Shark Week, filling in everyone's favorite guest. BTG Bradley Trevor Grieve, the Tasmanian Grizzly. How are you, man? Mate, aka the professional. I'm good. I'm good. I, uh, yeah, I've got some travel tips for Forrest we can get to later if he's over in okay. Western Australia, I hear. Uh, I've been great. As I said, I buggered my knee and I got the good news Bugger. that after seven knee surgeries, I actually have meniscus <laughs> left. And I was off air. I was, I was telling uh, Ratep, you know, aka. The Polish sausage with a mouthful of pubic hair, aka have was Polish. The the penis tip that looks like crying Gary Boosie. And I said to him that it reminded me of the time that I caught chlamydia from a koala that urinated in my face. And, <laughs> and uh, I'm a Polish penis tip. <laughs> because it it uh, at the time I was reluctantly single and you know romantically dislocated and therefore involuntarily uh, celibate. And the, and, I, and my eye just looked horrendous, and it spread to the other eye, and it just looked like I just had some hideous disease. And uh, when I finally got a report back from the ophthalmologist, said you've got chlamydia. I, I <laughs> oh, remember boy. my actual response was, "Oh, I wish," and <laughs> and he was shocked. And I had to explain that it couldn't be because I've had uh, you know zero sexual encounters in in the recent era. And then we tracked it down. We found out it was a particular baby koala at a zoological facility that had peed in my face. And, uh, and, I, had to, and I had to call them, you know, you, 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 the calls of shame. <laughs> oh, by the way, I'm sure they're like, yeah, yeah, that's how you got it. <laughs> sure, yeah. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to treat it for chlamydia, no, no problem. <laughs> and, and the good, I mean, I saved their life. As you know, the chlamydia is not a big deal. Uh, you know, Fitz has been leaving with, with it forever. Yeah. Um, what a lot of times. So, but, but it, in a koala, it's, it's often fatal. And, uh, so I let them know oh. they tested them. All the koalas apparently had it, which is not surprising. They're social enough. They're all in the same couple of trees and they're able to treat them. But, uh, yeah, interesting. That's, that's how I saved the koala's life. You're welcome. 
Wait, so so the you got I mean, you said you got peed on by a koala, but you you fucked one is what with your face, right? During intercourse, I receive urine in my eyes. That's right. <laughs> it, it's a classic, a classic uh, you know, novice era. No, it was just it was interesting. I was reaching up to pat it and it just peed straight down. And um I peed straight down in my eye, and of course the the the, the diet of pure eucalyptus leaves meant that the concentrated eucalyptus oil in the urine was incredibly painful. And everybody oh, everybody, everybody laughed, as you would. Yeah, and, yeah. and I was, 100%. you know, trying to keep cool. So I, I just kind of walked over to a, there was a drinking fountain on the other side of the property and I just splashed my face, cleaned it up and, and I blinked a little bit and got on with it. And because I was taking some VIPs around that were going to give money to the conservation program and I just wanted to be cool about it. And I didn't think much of it. I mean, you know, we were in a business where we get, urine in our eyes and fecal and other matters in our eyes from time to time. I've told the stories <laughs> of the bat semen in my ears. This is not the worst thing that's happened to me. And then it just started to turn. By the time I got back to the hotel, it was pink. And then Oof. the next day, it was a virulent red. Looked like a, yeah. snooker, looked like a snooker ball uh, covered in mayonnaise. And, uh, <laughs> oh, just, Jesus. and it just got worse from there. But the funny thing is I had a whole bunch of appointments. And so I had to fly from city to city. And it wasn't until I got... Uh, actually where Forrest is now, Western Australia, that I could see an ophthalmologist who found out what the problem is. So by then, several days passed and it was, it was really impressive. What was funny is during a couple of media events that I did at that time, including a fundraiser for Painted Dogs, um, <laughs> no one ever asked me about it. Everyone just assumed that I was drunk slash stone slash dying and they, were yeah. cool, and they were cool with it. Yeah. Um, it's a real well, cool thing, by the way. <laughs> so... I was talking to Bradley about something else last week, uh, a couple days ago, actually. So I just moved into this new house. It is fucking Coyote Central, man. There's coyotes everywhere. And we showed on the podcast, maybe a few podcasts ago, that clip of that coyote grabbing the kid. Mm. Oh, yeah. The little girl. And then the dad kind of scares it off. So that's that's like right up the street, right? (laughs) It's the neighborhood I live in now. Yeah. BTG was saying he's got a major coyote situation in his yard going on. Yeah, we do. Really? It's terrifying because I have two little kids, as you know, a baby yeah. and a toddler. And uh, we have six-foot wall around the backyard. And it's fully fenced off. So in some places, it's even taller than that. And, you know, it's covered in plants and vines and these roses are quite spiky. So you kind of feel fairly secure when you're, in, yeah. you're ensconced within it. And you go, I mean, sure. The secret garden, but it has a certain sense of you know isolation and privacy. And then not that long ago, um, <clears throat> we uh, I was you know where I am now in my study doing my writing my books, and um, and I get this frantic call from our little one's nanny, and I come rushing downstairs, and a coyote just jumped the fence and is just chilling in a yard, and oh, wow. uh, I didn't mind the fact that he was trying to dig up. Uh, some uh, some gophers, which are trashing my lawn. I thought, yeah, have at it. But no, terrifying because these are potential child killers and certainly child maulers. You couldn't sure. take it, a dog that size couldn't take a, uh, a baby over the fence, but they could certainly kill it and, uh, and maim it. And so, you know, I did what anyone would do. You know, I, I grabbed my uh, hatchet. And and went I had no to, idea, dude. I had no idea because yeah. I've always thought that a six-foot fence, which is what I have, yeah. Look at this. Look at Boom. this. No oh, problem. Goodness. That's, Easy. That's good. that, looks like, that looks pretty close to six feet too, doesn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. on the roof. Yeah, like a cat. 
Dude, like a cat. Crazy. And, these th- and these things are just opportunistic hunters. Now, now this is equally bad. So the angle of the sun there tells you that it's it's sort of later in the day there. But the point is, it's still in broad daylight. And in yeah. my experience, whenever you see a, a, a predator of any kind in broad daylight, uh, it's usually desperate. So, yeah, you know, sense. coyotes, generally crepuscular hunters, they, they get out early light, mostly mostly just around sunset and, and, and a little bit later. But when you get them out like this, they're a bit desperate. And so, yeah, we, we managed to chase it off. It bounced away. But now we don't let the kids out uh, without their supervised. We have some neighbors. We have a, a, a sort of a religious property thing, and and it's not very well regulated, and they're not pretty good with their trash. And I and I see the, the coyotes going into there around sunset. We live next to the Angeles National Forest, and you know there are just an infinite number of coyotes in this area. Yeah, and they are moving down to try to get easy meals. One came out. I was going for a walk one evening, and it was you know about an hour or two after sunset, and. Uh, one killed a cat within 20 feet of me, just came out, crushed its skull. And before I even wow. had time to say, you know, hey, Cody, don't kill that cat. Let's, let's talk <laughs> about like that. Yeah, that's how I talked yeah. to them. It just came out, killed the cat, and bugged it off. It was just shocking. Right Wait, did it take the nothing. cat with it to eat? No, it dropped the cat, and we sort of chased it. And the cat was looking pretty ordinary. One eyeball was popped out. It was still barely alive. And the owner came out screaming and screaming, and then she wanted help. And I said, I, you know, there's not a lot of repair we can this cat head is you know pretty much unserviceable and then then, and her neighbor came out to help and he started beating its skull with a giant uh mag light flashlight put it out of its misery yeah and i'm like wow i'm like there's probably a better way to do this just quietly and uh so yeah we we, this is a nightmare finished it off put it in a trash can and she said she was too upset to look at it and she just abandoned a pet to the bin so you know i don't know what a happy story. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why I love Los Angeles. <laughs> what, if, what if she had just kind of like come out and was like, what happened? Oh, it was fluffy. I fucking hated that cat. <laughs> I, I, I prayed for this. I prayed for this. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the po- and then one of the things you can look for if you're not sure if, is go outside your house uh, around twilight and listen. And if you hear the yipping start to build, that's called a pep talk. A lot of a lot of wild dogs do that. Mm-hmm. Coyotes are not usually uh, pack hunters, but in desperate times, they'll get together and they'll both try to maximize their killing power, but they'll also be looking to steal snacks off some other dog that gets there first. And so, yeah, yeah I put the bins out on the weekend and you hear the yipping build up and they're getting psyched up for a hunt or they've just scored something. And I remember coming and saying to my wife, go, Kids are not playing outside after dark ever again, or at or at Sunday. It <laughs> is totally. I, it is game saw, on. It is game on. They're so. I saw a video of uh, a winter kill bison, right? Mm. So you know, a big, you know, thousand pounds of meat that had fallen from the winter that had just unfrozen. Bear gets to it first. Big, big grizzly bear in Yellowstone. Yeah. Bears picking at it. Group of wolves come in. Five or six wolves. They come in get the bear off it. They start eating it like 15 coyotes <laughs> comes in and gets the wolves off of it. And the coyotes end up with the feast. They're smart. And badasses. Not they a lot up. of size difference between a big coyote and a small wolf too. People, right. I mean, they, they vary from place to place, but not a huge, we're not, we're not talking a Chihuahua and an Alsatian here. Yeah. Even no. that big one that you showed in the video, it was a decent sized coyote. Like plenty of dog. 
funny <laughs> dog. What do you? What would happen if if a like a pretty ferocious guard dog German Shepherd and a coyote went at it? You think? Oh, like I, a, I, I, you know, look, someone's I think, pet. I think no. I well, it all depends on the temperament of a dog. But a, a large, uh, uh, you know, very defensive, very robust breed would would definitely. Uh, I, I think it would prevail over a coyote uh, okay. in, in terms of a straight up fight. But the coyote would be too smart to go toe to toe. Sure. So that's probably not going to happen. You'd have to corner it. Um, and then I think the reality is, doesn't matter how big or strong or tough you are, you're going to come away uh, the worst for wear. You're not going to yeah. walk away from that. Um, you know, without part of you left on the floor, I would have thought. Um, okay, yeah. so so BTG, you run into your, your you hear your wife scream. There's a coyote in the backyard. You run back there, right? You, you go to the fence. I know. I, saying, I, I told her, yeah. yeah. I, well, I immediately realized that we had a problem. My con, my concern is, it's not that I live for killing coyotes or anything really, <laughs> but my concern is, once you have a, I, I didn't know why it was in the yard. Yeah, and I just thought I didn't know initially if the nanny was outside with our baby. Wow. And, and, uh, so I was very concerned, but the larger issue was you never want to see a predator get habituated to a space where you are vulnerable. You never want to say, oh yeah, it's totally fine that you come and hang out here. That's the kind of right. habituated wildlife that ends up killing people. Like grizzly man. That's like what grizzly man was the movie it's, with that It's guy. a little bit the reverse of that. Um, it's, it's, it's what we <laughs> it's have, true. it's what we have in. So for example, in Angoon where, where, uh, DeLuca and I filmed fear Island. Oh, yeah. So in, Is that, uh, on Cinemax late night. Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely uh, so, soft core porn. Yeah, it is. It's got a great soundtrack. A lot of, a lot of Hammond organ. Bow, chicka, bow, wow. Um, in Angoon, there was an issue, and they still haven't fully fenced off the, the garbage dump. And there's only two miles of road on the entire island. And oh, wow. um, it goes basically from the village to the ferry port, and, the, and then the garbage dump's roughly halfway along. There's always a number of sick, young orphan bears and whatever that make their way into the garbage dump looking for snacks. And remember, this is people do a lot of hunting of deer there. They do a lot of fishing. So there's mm-hmm. usually a fair bit of protein waste that's there to be eaten. What happens is the bears become habituated to it. They eat a lot of other crap that they shouldn't. And yeah, Domino's leftovers and Cheetos and stuff like that, right? <laughs> From our production. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> I remember we're in the middle of it. We had like one day off. And I got to say half the village was down with this super flu, which I had. I went down. Right. Got a, I forget who. Was it Justin? Had a really nice bottle of scotch. I went down mm, yeah, uh, and, definitely and got, was. A, got a coffee mug full of whiskey and some antibiotics from the medic and went back to bed. I come back and, and Pat has flown in Domino's from the mainland. That's right, baby. <laughs> it was the best best meal I'd tasted in weeks. Gotta keep morale up. That's so his job. Was 10 consecutive days of salmon downpour. So, yeah. you know, 13, 14 hour days in just downpour rain and Cold. then salmon, and eating wet. salmon every salmon night. Every, every night, yeah. <laughs> for the off day, we, we flew them in. Dude, it was like 30 bucks, the delivery fee, for a guy to get in a plane. Maybe it was 50. <laughs> it was it Still was, not bad. No, it's cheaper than, than LA, but it was- Yeah, it's cheaper it was, than Uber Eats. It was, it was almost a magical thing. I mean, I'm not like a super religious guy, but I- I could imagine, you know, <laughs> the Sermon on the Mount and the loaves and fishes not quite measuring up to the experience I had with that Domino's off a seaplane. I just, it was just, a, it was a beautiful moment. Um, so good. God, so your happened, asshole must have been hurting. You had Domino's, whiskey with coffee, and, and a super flu. 
Yeah, it was. I was good to go the next day. It it cured me. It was it was like the water of lords. You know, I was just ready to go. So what happens is these bears get habituated, and then of course you know, the fishing, the hunting season end, and there's not much in there, and then they go and they start looking for something to eat, and now they're used to people, and that's when dogs and kids get taken, and that's the situation we had with the coyote. I didn't want it to come from the yard, so I went out there to to uh, to uh, sort of part its head from its shoulders, Highlander style. It just made me look stupid. It was over the fence and gone. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's just a heavy set man breathing at a wall. <laughs> Holding an axe. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you got to chase it off though, man. Well, I mean, immediately it, I would chase oh, off. Well, what I did then is I drank a lot of coffee over the next few days. And then every time I had to go to the bathroom, I peed on the walls. I peed ah, around every wall. Really? Yeah. And, and, uh, and they just let it know that and I was eating a lot of meat. You know, the really, a really big carnivore is here. Yeah. I, I can't tell yeah, if he's serious or no, not. No, right he now. is serious. And it, it was, is. it's completely an excuse. Like his wife was like, Bradley, you've been eating nothing but cheese for three days. He's like, I got to smell up that fence. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah. and I'm not saying that's the only reason why they haven't come back or indeed any other wildlife ever. But um, I, I mean, actually, it has worn off because the raccoons have come back to steal our drain covers again. I don't know what they do with them. It's some sort of bizarre conspiracy. Collect- collectors. It's kind of like a yeah. constant battle between you and the animals out Dude, there, isn't it? Dude, it's crazy, man. Just the difference from here to my last neighborhood. It's just uh, I have a ton of gophers. Like, yeah. Really? It's coyotes running down the middle of the street at I heard night. there's a big earthworm problem out near you. <laughs> Unbelievable. What? What's going on? Well, it rains dude. and there's like thousands of earthworms all over everywhere. That's a, well, they're drowning. They're drowning. They got to come out. That's why the birds are going crazy. These birds but, are so fat and happy right now. They're just it's true. I can't, I see I can't even get off the ground. Circling. There's just crows. I'm like, am I in a fucking movie? It's like insane and scary because it's gray out and it never is here. And there's tons of crows. I'm like, where are all these crows coming from? Dude, the other night, so it was raining and sitting there, got the TV on, getting ready to go to bed. I see an earthworm come in to the house from this tiny little gap that, you know, I've lived here for two weeks. I didn't know it was there. Huh. This tiny little gap in the door. Then another one starts coming in. Oh, like, what is going on? So I go out with the flashlight. They're, they're hoarding in. It looks like, uh, <laughs> you know, when you get on the chairlift and people are coming from all directions, That's the obvious they're trying comparison. to come yeah. into the house. <laughs> earthworm um, invasion, mate. <laughs> Dude, and so, I, you know, at this point, I'm like, I don't know what. The, the, they're not coming in the house. I don't have any caulk <laughs> He got available. his gun out. <laughs> shooting you know, at him. Did, you I did something even more dastardly. You could fry them up. You could. Uh, like, oh, should I? Okay. Well, I yeah, salted you, them up. You could, did you? You, you, leave them, yeah. you leave them in a dish of fresh water, just like snails. You leave them in fresh water and uh, for a day or so. Not, not, <laughs> not Don't drown them because, of course, they breathe in part through their skin and they'll die which is why they're coming to the surface, but just a little bit, and they'll excrete all the gunk that's in their gut, and then they're perfectly reasonable protein at that point once they've excreted all the crap. Did um, you guys hear about these? So these? that's what you would have done? You would have eaten them? No. I'm just okay. saying I, I've never had that many trying to come into my house. I'm just saying you were an exceptional <laughs> battalion. You were in an exceptional circumstance where you had a protein-rich environment at your door. That's unusual. Yeah. Hey, guys, if you're enjoying – whoops, one more time. Guys, if you like The Wild Times, check us out on Patreon. We put out four extra podcasts per month. That's one commute a week that you're just going to be laughing and learning the whole time in the car. <laughs> hey, let me do, do something else. This is the late night 
content, stuff that we, we can't show on, on YouTube because they'll kick us off YouTube. It's the Cinemax of podcasts. <laughs> Uncensored, raw dog. It's the Cinemax of podcasts. Check it out. Link right here. Kyle wow. just dropped a uh, interesting note in the private chat here. This is terrifying. Evidently, there's an extremely active jumping, extremely active jumping worms that can leap a foot into the air and they're raising alarms in California. Kyle, Kyle's got, oh my God, there's a video. Let's see this. All right. So we got a video here of some some crazy methed he's, out earthworms. He's just thrashing around. He's just yeah. That's something. not. That's nothing. Hold on. Let's that's see what it does here. Defensive behavior. Yeah, the amethyst. By agrestus. the way, is that it? Are you kidding me? <laughs> They're just thrashing around. This is what it looked like outside my house. Now that's fucked up. Wow. That is scary because there's like they look like snakes. Those are snakes. Yes. Those aren't worms. I'm gonna say like one earthworm is not scary, but when you see a hundred in the same place, oh, dude, it's all I, of a sudden it was so like gross. Probably four or 500. I went through two tubes of salt. <laughs> what is a tube of salt? So you were going to, you're going to salt them up and I, I, it was late. I wanted to go to bed. It was raining. I mean, I get it. I mean, if you had the tall, the time in the world, I mean, earthworms are so important to keep the soil healthy yeah. in your garden. If you had the time and the energy and we all have kids and young kids and none of us do. You just shovel them into a bowl and keep it, put some dirt on them and leave them because you need them back in the garden the next day. The right, difference sure. between a shit garden and a great garden is a really healthy earthworm population. And uh, but well, yeah, I mean that. it's it's cold and wet and you know I I, I get it. That we had, we we've had a lot of them coming up here, but but the the birds I just can't get over how voracious they are. They're on the ground and they are so fat. They are just <laughs> just it's just. You know, like you said, that back in the 70s and in the 60s and 70s, and they had that space training for primates, and they're just putting their mouth on a food tube, and it's like that. They're just putting their lips on the ground. Well, bird lips, they're big. And, 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 and worms are just fighting their way down their gullet. You know, I reckon we could harvest all these sparrows and bluebirds and get some sort of foie gras out of them because their livers must be enormous. Yeah, they, they, it's, it's been heaven for them because mm. it's, it's done nothing but rain for a month. In California. Um, but the, well, you're talking about the coyotes, right? And the habituated coyotes and it get dangerous. Did you guys see the story that went around this week of the man, the farmer in Ohio who got his arm bit off? No, no. By, by, by a coyote. Mm -mm. Was it? Kyle's going to pull up the, the animal that did it. This, this very specimen right here. We've got a video going. Oh, the zebra. Oh, yes, I did yeah. see this. I'm not surprised at all. Where did the, like how where did the zebra come from? I mean, it's obviously not native. It was a farm, and uh, they had seven zebras on the property. And uh -huh. the guy was clearing some brush, and he said he turned around, and the, the zebra was charging him. And, yeah. Wow. Uh, and it bit his arm off. Yeah. That's fucking. I mean, how I didn't even know a horse mouth was that large, or a zebra mouth, I should say, oh, or big. zebra. So I'll tell you, uh, zebra. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you a horse bite story. I was, I was, of course in, you will. I was, I was in <laughs> hospital. I was, um, I, I was racing dirt bikes, these big desert races, and I had a new bike and had crashed it and put my arm through my hand and it had all been rebuilt Ugh. and it was a mess. Dude. It was a mess. And Dude, then, <laughs> and then, cause I was an idiot, I went to a conservation program that I was supporting out in the, in the country and they had these baby wombats, this little big wombat. And I picked it up <clears throat> and it pulled the pins out of place. Oh, God, dude. And the problem, that was painful, but the problem was that it got an infection. 
Of course um, did. And I got golden staff in my broken wrist hand thing. God and I had damn. to go back to hospital for a whole bunch of surgeries. And, that, and then it opened it up and it looked like a horror movie. How did so it I'm smell? In, so I'm in, I, it smelled sweet and, and <laughs> rotten at the same time. You know, it just, <laughs> yeah. it was just, it was just a horrible, horrible smell. Anyway, so I'm doing hand rehab with this guy. And you know, when they make a lot of movies in Australia at the Fox Studios lot, uh, it's it's particularly good for all the the green screen movies and uh, you know your Matrix and whatever was the first big movie to be made there and a whole bunch ever since. This guy comes in and the whole front of his hand is missing and wow. it's all been reattached and it looked like someone had just cut it off with a blunt chain so it was a really ugly thing and he had Ugh. the same hand surgeon and the same tendon surgeon that I'd had. That's how we were together and we mm. did hand rehab together every day, which is not as sexual as that. Sounded. No, it um, definitely does. It's, uh, <laughs> but you know, it's a lot of stupid, a lot of stupid exercises, moving squash balls over your finger, and mm-hmm. and they give us like a big jar of buttons, and they'd be like all blue buttons and one red button. You have to use your fingers to get the red button. It was it was not very. He uh, didn't feel great about it. Anyway, I asked him what happened, and it turns out that he is a horse trainer, and he works at the studios, and he does all the horses for these movies, and and they had a stallion which you never see on a, on a movie, normally an actual full stallion. It's almost always a mare or a gelding. Mm-hmm. And he, he, he worked with it for years. So he had this big stallion, looked impressive. And he was just brushing its muzzle, keeping it calm, waiting for the shot to go for oh, action. No. Turns his head to look at the director. And as he does, it just, boom, and mm. bit off <clears throat> thumb and uh, index finger, middle finger, ring finger. Oh, anyway, he was definitely recovering function because they got into the hospital. Luckily, the hospital was 15 minutes away from the studio and they were able to start repairing the nerve straight away. But I'm just saying it's got to be, and obviously you now line the business, I've seen a lot of bad animal bites. It's, the, yeah. That was by far the worst I, I mean, have seen. According, according to uh, equinegelf.com, the uh, that the horse. jaw strength of a of a horse is more than twice the bite force of a pit bull. More wow, than, more than double. I don't. They got know. flat teeth though, isn't that? I mean, they have yeah, so they, they're they chewing crush. grass all day long. That right? makes so it, that crushing. makes it. Yeah, they're they're grazing it's like a, and it's like getting it's like getting attacked with a butter knife as opposed to yeah exactly yeah. exactly nightmare. It's a, it's a horrible blunt chisel. So it's a it's a it's a pressure tear rather oh. than, a, than a cut tear. Yeah. Just crushing, crushing power, oh crushing God. force. Yeah, horrendous. Yeah. And the, and and remember that they're very smart, and they're a little bit, you know, twitchy because they're still, uh, I find you them know, to be very twitchy, nervous. Yeah, as yeah well, they're, says they're about still a, they're still a prey animal, so they know they've got a they, they're smart enough to be malevolent, and they're twitchy by virtue of their genealogy. So they're going to go, oh, I got to get out of here. But they yeah. can really dish up the pain, and and you never know what's going to happen. I'll tell you a funny story about a friend of mine who got his ass torn apart. And it's not his ass cheeks. It doesn't matter who did it. Um, <laughs> no, it was not. It was in my, jail. His name's John Lemon, and he is mm-hmm. the he is the president of Painted Dog Conservation Inc. So you know, like Cass Pictus, you know the the Cape hunting dogs of Africa, uh-huh. aka the painted dogs. And at that time, he was the 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 head of the species survival plan for cheetah, and the cheetah are the smallest of the big cats, but people always think of them as being not a big deal because they, they look quite slight and wiry and timid compared to, you know, big leopards and certainly lions and all the rest of it. That's a mistake. Sure. There's plenty of don't argue in a cheetah. I don't know if either of you have got close to a cheetah, but it's a lot It's a lot of cat. I'm afraid of a house cat. Like I, wouldn't so, go, like. I have seen a number of people get up next to a fence with a full-grown male cheetah 
and it hiss at them, and it sounds like someone just knocked the top off a fire extinguisher with a hammer. I mean, it's just it's so loud, like oh, a jet engine, this. and it just blows them off their of their feet. They're so anyway, it's about the size of a greyhound, give or take. It's plenty of plenty of cat, and um, so anyway, he he got to know these cheetah, and they had a pretty good relationship. Remember, cheetah are not classified necessarily as cats. For a long time, they have the feet of a dog, and they were kept really? as pets by the pharaohs. Yeah, they're not you're not your classic cat at all. Hmm. Um, I didn't know that. Back in the day, the pharaohs would keep them, in Egypt, would keep them like greyhounds, you know, to go coursing to catch rabbits and all the rest of it. And people still do in some places. Mm-hmm. The point is, he got to know them, had a good relationship, and he would clean out their habitat, his big open range habitat, with them in the area, which was a bit ballsy. Now, John is a chunky man. He's chunky, you know. I don't mean I don't mean like I don't mean like Ratep, you know. That's basically or yourself. A, a shrink rack, you know, Bangkok uh, knockoff version of the dude. Um, <laughs> what I what I mean is yeah, he was he was the champion uh, champion powerlifter when he was a young man in Australia. So he's not super oh, wow. tall, but yeah, really thick, muscular guy sure, and very like confident. Me. Yeah, yeah, something like that, but the opposite. And he <laughs> and, and and so he's. A big chunky ass cheeks. I want you to visualize the striations in these glutes from lifting okay. these huge amounts of weight. I'm picturing it, baby. Rippling. Excellent. Rippling. He turns his back. This cheetah comes in, gets a hold of him in the glute area and just rips it open. Oh! Like rips it open. And as I said, big, strong, tough guy. He manages to whack it off with a broom. That's mm. yeah, probably came out wrong, but he... he, uh, <laughs> he, he and he gets out. And so you never know what's going to happen. So then a couple of years later... I'm at a facility, which I won't name, a private wildlife facility that's highly regarded. And they and I was there for a couple of months. And he said, I go, BTG, we've got these new education cheaters. We'd like to test our program with you. I said, oh, okay, that'd be fun. And, and I get down there and I said, have you done this before? And they said, no, we haven't. But we figured, you know, if it goes wrong, it doesn't, I mean, it's you. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't matter if it all goes wrong. And I'm like, oh, it probably matters a little bit. Um, anyway, yeah. 100, 140 pound cat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so there's two of them sitting on this table and they're wearing these harnesses, but no muzzles. And I'm doing the exercise with them and listening to the presentation. I'm patting them when they tell me to pat them. I'm, you know, we call it stooging when you're an expert pretending to be a novice in order for the teachers to go through their exercises. Anyway, yeah. and all of a sudden this moth and it was daytime got disturbed a big fat fluffy moth comes <laughs> flying over wandering around and the cheetah you know i mean they're so highly attuned they just spotted it they weren't too upset and they watched it and watched it and watched it and all of a sudden it went up and there was this giant you know those big ass ceiling fans like that's the actual name of the big ass ceiling fans uh-huh. <laughs> you have them in aircraft hangers and they see this thing above them in this outdoor gazebo thing and they just went nuts wow and that was it. I mean, we were all sort of getting clear and, you know, it was just like, were they, were they tied down? I know they had harnesses on, but were they no, like, no, they were just, they were just holding oh these God. leashes and they went crazy. Chaos. And, and, uh, and so it was just all hands on deck and there was no, uh, we couldn't get them in the crate. We had to drag them and push them into the front seat of a truck. And, uh, <laughs> my, my, my very, point profe- is, very professional. The point is, you just don't know. You think you know an animal, and you just don't know when it's all going to go wrong. Sure, yeah. and, and sure. Anything. It's like boxing. Once you get, uh, once you get to you know 150 pounds, you can knock out anybody. And it's the same in the animal kingdom. You don't have to be that big to do a lot of damage. And uh, and a lot of these animals, whether it's a coyote or a cheetah, it may not go. Oh, that's not a grizzly bear. That's not a lion. 
they can put you to the sword very quickly if a little oh goes my God. wrong. Dude, that's yeah. why I stay inside most of the time. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting to know my my na- my new neighbor's dog a little bit because uh, we share this fence and the two dogs bark at each other. And so they met for the first time. It's a big, oh. strong Doberman. Um, but he's, he's they're cool. He's cool with dogs, but he gets twitchy around people. So I'm trying oh, to that's, like that's great. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so, he's, so he's fine with your dog, but not with your baby. Exactly. Yeah. No, hates two-year-olds. Brilliant. Um, but I did see this in the news. This was this week. Um, Labrador Retrievers, right? Yeah. They've been the number one dog in America for, I think it's a seven, it's like an insane amount of years. Uh, wow. Let's see. 31 straight years, Labrador Retrievers been the number I mean, one dog breed. They're generally a, generally a very nice dog, generally. Love them. Well, they've, they've been overtaken. Oh, there's I, a new number one dog. I heard this. It's it's the it's the loaf of bread with a face. Yeah, no, that's the right. pug? No, French Bulldog is now oh. the number one dog in the US. It wasn't even in the top hundred just 20 years ago. It is I, it's taken off. Well, I've see, I see so many. Here's the here's the deal. It's they're, they're goddamn it's adorable. like 21 year old uh, influencer chicks out here in LA. Every single one of them has this dog. It's a good looking dog. It's good it's for an a, apartment. It's basically dog. it's basically you you want to have a cat, but you still have some self respect. You get <laughs> they're so great. You they're get so fun. Bulldog. I mean, they're a beautiful looking thing. They're athletic enough to have a laugh, but not the to puppy force, is so you to fucking do cute. A lot. Oh my god, Mr. T chains. Well, actually, literally two chains. But so what? Uh, <laughs> I've never, I've never spent time with one. I'm assuming oh, yeah. it's a little. It's more athletic than a pug, right? It's more athletic than a pug. They're you know stockier. They're for for the way they look, they're insanely fast. But they're they're lap dogs, right? Yeah. They want to sleep in bed with you, nice. get under the covers. They're they're cute. They're good friends. They are they're on the dumber side for dogs. So and like, when you say dumber, you mean you can't train them to do much or they you definitely can't train them to do much. And they're very, very stubborn. Um, oh, like you could have a perfectly trained French bulldog. that will just, if it wants to, it'll just take a piss on the rug. Cause that's just what it wants to do. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, that's the kind of dog I want. I can't believe it overtook uh fucking. What is that? Yeah. What does that, retriever. what does that say about America that a less energetic, less intelligent dog is now the more popular choice. Right. I just told you. Maybe, it's, maybe yeah. people have less time. Yeah. Nah, it's, it's, it's people have, uh, it's the influencers, man. It's the, it's the younger generation's dog. So I mean, so basically our listeners today. No, no. Pretty I mean, much. these are people who are outdoorsy people. These are these That's are true. people. I guarantee you, if we took a poll of our listeners, this the this French bulldog or English bulldog. Yeah, most, most of our listeners have like pet owls. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> really, I'm saying. I like that's our people. I love that. Who, I love that. Yeah. I just BTG. I, I got a question. You you yeah, said yeah, earlier yeah. in the podcast that you were uh, you had some tips for Forrest, who's missing. Yes. I feel like we should at least mention his name, even though I don't really like him that much. Uh, I just, he's I, in, what are your Western Australia? Western tips? Australia. He's he's out there. There's a, look, I've had a, a variety of experiences in Western Australia. Some good, some bad. I remember uh, riding a camel with a sunburned ass, and that was bad. <laughs> and I was, terrible. Uh, that was up in Broome, um, which was a very interesting place uh, for a lot of dark history reasons. But the Pearl Coast. But look, what I would say is, I believe that um, Forest is in the south, the west southwest around the Exmouth region, which is fabulous. People go there primarily. Ningaloo Reef is the famous reef there. 
It's a very famous area for whale shark migration. I don't know if he's going to see any this time of year. I'll have to check March. Yeah, March is a good time to see whale sharks, actually. Um, but then you have uh, Ningaloo Reef, uh, a lot of elkhorn coral. It's quite beautiful. But I was going to say uh, the other place there, that some of the largest golf ball coral I've ever seen. I'm talking 12, 20 feet golf ball coral. Um, it looks like, you know, the, the giant uh, sphere at Disney World? Yeah. Uh, uh, I forget. Um, it's a little bit like that. But anyway, amazing golf ball coral. Oh, there's one Kyle just pulled up. Okay. What's, I mean, that's just pathetic. Um, so well, this, I didn't even know what it looked like at all. So this is good for me. Well, looks, <laughs> <laughs> so imagine that, but enormous, like as big sure, as okay. a, not a house, but say a, a oh, shed wow. or something like that. You, know, you can swim yeah. right around it and it's quite beautiful. Uh, a place called the Murian Islands, it's only a couple of hours by boat off the coast. But one of the best diving sites that I've ever been to in the world, period is there in Exmouth. And what happened was there was supposed to be the secret submarine base where back in the day there was political tension about nuclear submarines coming to Australia. And so mm. they were going to dock them and refuel them or do something in, in Exmouth. That was the story. And they built this, built this giant jetty that goes out into the ocean there. Then there was a massive cyclone and it just absolutely destroyed it with these huge waves and it just fell to the bottom of the sea. And the Navy's like, well, there's no point trying to salvage this. Let's just build over the top. And so they did. And because it's a military facility, even though it's inactive, you just can't go there. Uh-huh. And so what's happened is over many decades, it's become this artificial reef and no one gets to fish it, spearfish it or line fish it. And wow. so you get these enormous, perfect specimens of various species there. And I remember getting permission to dive there and look, crushed infrastructure and naval pier is not a particularly attractive thing as far as a fake reef is concerned. But I mean, big, fat, vibrant nudibranchs, which you generally only see when you, uh, the water is really clean. Um, just huge examples of various fish, both in size and color. And it was just one of the most magical things. So I, I, we, we talk about this in the show from time to time how it doesn't have to be a perfect habitat to be perfect for certain species. And this is one of those examples whereby you go, oh, the military has ruined it. But in actual fact, in a strange way, it's become this little bubble of perfection. Um, And I would highly recommend it. There you go, Exmouth Navy Pier. Oh, wow. Look at the size of that group. Uh, We would call it. Yeah. Call it potato cod. But, I mean, just incredible fish because no one's ruined it. Oh, my God. Look at the size of that thing. Yeah, they get pretty big. That's well, amazing. Sure. Anyway, so how do you how do you go about getting? You said you had to get permission. Is it, so you have to get permission. Well, I don't know how it is now. It's been a while since I uh, I rode my motorbike over there. It's a epic. What are you laughing at, Pat? Shut your trap. You said um, that you have to get permission. So do you have to get permission? I like to repeat myself. <laughs> so <laughs> so in those days, yeah, you would just fill in a simple bit of paperwork and and uh, within a very and you do it through. Uh, I didn't have my own dive gear with me, so I, I rented it from a diving company. And uh, they filed it for you and got the answer back fairly smartly. And the next okay. week I, I went diving. I'm sure it's easier now online. I don't know. Maybe it's open now. But I think the big thing was the artificial reef worked and the fact that no one – it was just a little sanctuary uh, mm, thanks untouched. to the military. You know, and I've seen this in the military before. And don't get me wrong. We destroy a lot of um, a yeah, lot drop, of environments with dropping bombs, bombs and, in the ocean. Yeah, it'll, it'll <laughs> a it. lot. 
But, you yeah. know, it, the area that isn't bombed within the bombing range is usually a haven for species because no one wants to walk. I remember, I think, you know, people would wake up and there'd be a bomb under their under their sleeping bag because a lot of stuff doesn't go off, you know? Yeah. yeah. I yeah, think yeah. Forrest in, is in maybe Ningaloo? Yeah, Ningaloo is the main oh, reef okay. off the coast. Uh, Exmouth is it where looks, you fly it into. It looks amazing. Dude. It is amazing. It is lots of – and lots of uh, – Lots of blue sharks there. I remember that. And uh, and as I said, if you're lucky and get the whale sharks coming through, um, and I have to say that I missed them twice. I had never seen a whale shark in the water. Um, but if he if he's lucky, he'll get to see an amazing number of them if the timing is right. Yeah, it's good looking animal that whale shark. Mm. Oh, uh, you know, I, I've never actually. Kyle would just uh, we put a video up where Kyle was down with them when they were doing whale sharking. Oh, yeah. Nice. Uh, um, really cool. I saw a clip, you know, at the, uh, aquarium in Atlanta that mm. you can like pay some inordinate amount of money and actually dive in the whale shark tank oh, in wow. the aquarium. Hmm. I thought that looked, that looked like more of my speed. <laughs> that, would, that would be crazy. I mean, I'd love to, yeah, I'd love to do it. And, yeah, and they're probably, they're probably pretty wow. stimulating for that guy too. You think so? You think yeah, he likes it? I think something different. Um, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't understand all the roots to know about how shark brains work. They're pretty ancient. One would assume they're pretty much hardwired. But I know, yeah, you can do that in Lando. You can also do that in Tokyo. Um, but yeah, that corridor from Western Australia around through the Philippines is, that's Wild Shark Alley. Dude, so when we get we get a fair, you mentioned the nudibrinks there in, in Ningaloo. They're so cool looking. Mm. One of our brosners, because people suggest battle royales to us, you know? mm-hmm. and somebody was like, "You should do a, a battle royale." Battle royale of uh, everyone picks their three favorite nudie brinks. I was like, <laughs> oh, I thought it was one thing. I didn't know that. <laughs> I was supposed to know lots of different ones. Well, the problem, the only problem with that is it very quickly becomes a nudie pink, uh, you know, drag race because really, yeah, some of them are toxic and some of them do have. Uh, a separate species attached to them that forms a stinger. But in uh, most cases, they're just incredibly beautiful and some weird projections on them. And, uh, you know, it's it just, they basically look like, oh. you know, p- party drugs made of jelly. Yeah. But Kyle just <laughs> pulled one up and I've seen, I've seen them. I never knew what they were called. Uh, that blue in the, in one. In the wild? No, no, not in the wild, of course. I mean, I've just seen them either on TV or in a saltwater fish tank at a restaurant. I was just with a guy in uh, in Florida last week who's an adventure outdoorsman guy, and he was spearfishing in, I believe, in the Bahamas. And uh, he had shot at a fish, and he thought he hit it, but he didn't get a clean hit, and it went into this hole. Mm. And he reached into the hole. Something clamped onto him. Oh. You know bad like bit bit him he's like oh shit and he's trying to pull his arm out and he got fucking got attached by a moray eel Mm. oh that's the first person i've ever met who got bit by an eel did it it fuck him up yeah he had to he had to get back on the boat they were filming for a tv show he had to get back on the boat they had to stop down he had to go get stitched up no i mean well you know the big issue there is that they have that second set of jaws so it's like alien, right. you know, the little thing comes out of its mouth. It's just like that. <laughs> so they, it locks you in and it's a very simple jaw structure that just kind of works like a snake mouth. It just kind of works on itself like that. So it's just kind of like a, a tractor beam of teeth pulling you inside the main jaw like that, that you can easily lose a lot of flesh. I mean, I've seen little fish, you know, sliced in half and it's just almost too fast to see. 
and right. just gone. Yeah. You know, so he's I lucky to did, lose something. We did a we did a list of uh, like the most scary animals, and I'm pretty sure the moray eel was like number three on it. Because if it's, it's fucking dude, look at face. that fang, fang tooth moray, the top left. My. Wow. Oh my, Peter, I'm gonna start with you. What's the uh, worst animal bite you've ever gotten? Uh, bite, that would be by my dog, sting. by my dog Charlie. He really? Bit, he bit my hand. Uh, really emotional. Uh, lots of emotions went through me at the same time because I wanted to euthanize him right there, just <laughs> snap his neck. I mean, he's twelve pounds, and I'm like, I'm like, what do you think you're doing? I feed you every day. Like, I all I did too was put my hand on the couch near his fucking paw when he was in a bad mood, and. Like he thought I was doing something to, 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 uh, like aggravate him or something on purpose, I guess. And out of nowhere, he just bites my fucking hand. And, uh, you know, I had to have eight stitches and mm. I, you know, I don't think I knew about this. Let's, let's just, you know what? Let's just make this the worst dog bites. Cause otherwise this could go on for a while. <laughs> no, 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 no. You have to pick one and it's the worst bite <sighs> of any species bite or sting. Yeah, I've I've never had a bad one. I've been lucky. I've, I've I mean, a cat. I <laughs> I, I, uh, I remember breaking up a fight with two Great Danes, Great Danes, and it's <laughs> a good idea. And they're yeah. really chill dogs normally, but they were going at it, and one was really hurting the other one, and ended up cracking his skull actually. And ah. uh, no one deliberately bit me, but it got me, and it just opened up my hand oh. like a hot knife through butter, you know, straight up the back of my thumb around my wrist, and I was just so impressed. And you look at the teeth, and you go, they're not that bad. But the pressure and the design to do one thing and they did it. I was very impressed, you know, and that's the thing with animal bites. Then you got to leave it largely open because you can't stitch it completely up or it's going to get infected and rot off. So you've got to just tack it with the sutures rather than fully do it up. It's, it's always a mess, like coral injuries. Um, I think I mentioned this on the show before, but the, the worst one I've ever had wasn't a bite. It was a pinch. And it was a coconut crab. And it was my fault. Oh, my oh, God. And, Dude, that's uh, one of my favorite like yeah. statistics about wildlife is the pressure that a coconut crab. I'm surprised you still have the appendage. Well, I didn't, I didn't, unlike Fitz, my urge was not to insert any part of my person into the coconut crab's person. Um, but uh, now the one I had was nowhere near as big as that one at the top. It was bigger than the one, the bottom right. Um, and it was quite dark. And uh, we were sort of joking and referred to it as this kind of boogeyman. Cause it comes out after dark. We refer to it as the black hand. And, um, <laughs> It's kind of this joke. I'm not sure if I had a few beers, and I just said, I want to see how hard it really is. But I wasn't dumb so this enough. this was on purpose. It was, and it was mm. stupid. And, mm. and I, I didn't put a finger in it or anything I wasn't prepared to lose. And so I, I actually was going to videotape it, so I shaved a little piece of my furry arm and, and pinched <laughs> a bit of skin and put it in there. And it, the clamp down with such extreme intensity, it compressed. You know how they make the armor? for fighting vehicles, the super compressed aluminium, and they start with like two feet of aluminium and they compress yeah, it down yeah. to about two inches. It was that. It just turned a little bit of skin and flesh and fat to thinner than paper. And there was this sudden molecular sense of urgency. I've got to get this off me. And um, I had a screwdriver and I started to <laughs> stick it in between to try to open it. And it had no effect. None. So in the end, and I'm I'm not proud of this, 
I I started to taunt its cloaca with the tip of the screwdriver, and <laughs> and it turned around to to get rid of this unwanted uh, interest in its in its uh, in the service entrance, and I was able to pry it off, and it just the skin just died like a yeah, like a like, uh, a, like a sunburn, you know, like a super duper sunburn, or you know, it just it just it just kind of rotted off. And um, a little pale kind of circular scar there, but it was just instant. It was just, I've, I've had plenty of bites, obviously, and plenty of stings, you know, from giant centipedes to whatever. And this one was quite extraordinary, just how instantly it went from not a big deal to this is now a big deal. Yeah, I mean, the pressure is insane. Like we were just talking, we're talking about the, the, how a horse has a lot of bite force, mm-hmm. right? We're talking 500 PSI. Coconut crab, we're talking 750. Damn, that's 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 more than a lion's bite. I mean, that's, that's yeah. A, I, it was just they can lift a six. They can lift a sixty-pound item up. Like they're incredibly <laughs> strong. Yeah, there are some huge ones too. These like giant four things. inches long too. You How big them. is a coconut crab? Oh, it's it's huge. It's huge. Oh, they it's, are. It's well, they can be. They um, the one that I'm talking about was a body about so big, pinches about so big, a decent size, you know. But they okay. can get you know, four times that big easily. And right. uh, I've seen them hanging on to a, um, I've seen them hanging on to a garbage can oh, they or a are trash huge. can where yeah. they wrapped around the whole trash can and, and just pulling it over. And there you go. There's one right there. Look at the, uh, dude, I can't fucking believe you let one of these things pinch you. You are, you know uh, what? I, I, mean, I didn't want to die. Not knowing, uh, but that, <laughs> I didn't want to. And now I know it's not overhyped. Because like you know, people talk about <laughs> people talk about turtles and stuff like that, and you and you know, you put a, pe- a pencil uh, into a snapping turtle's mouth, and 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 ninety percent of the time they can't break it, and you go, okay, that's overhyped. And I can tell you now, don't do that. Uh, P.S. Don't do that, listeners. <laughs> yeah, don't do it. But I'm just saying, you know, and and don't get me wrong, you get a big alligator snapping turtle, it'll it'll. It'll break the pencil. It'll break a. Yeah, I've seen a snapping turtle break a fucking broomstick. I don't right. know what you're talking about. I'm just saying a lot of it's <laughs> overhyped, and okay. and we okay. come from a business where there is a certain stratum of wildlife show, and we're all part of it at certain times where we overhype some of these capabilities. But okay. I can tell you from personal experience that the coconut crab's crushing power is 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 legit. Imagine this <laughs> scenario. You're excited. You, you went to the store. You've laid out a nice charcuterie. You're just, you decide mm, you're going to take like the us. family. Making me take, hungry. Yeah, you're going to take the family for a lovely picnic. You have a, yeah. a, a nice bottle of, you know, white wine, chilled. Chardonnay. Mm. Yeah, Chardonnay. Yeah. And then this happens. <laughs> what is this it? is what happens. <laughs> a group of coconut crabs. Let's call it 25 of them, each the size of a, uh, a, a medium-sized dog. Crashes yeah. the picnic. I mean, how is this even possible? There, so brilliant. Kyle's brought up evidently. Me, this, is this Australia or somewhere in the? Yeah, yeah, yeah brilliant. A full story of somebody's picnic being crashed by these coconut crabs, like and they're really just—they're just—they just, just, just you, came. Did you see that one where the, it snaps the guy's golf club? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's well. So yes. how fast do these things move? Not fast, but he was trying to push it away, and it got a hold. And once it got a hold. That's, that's it. it. And he had those beautiful, you know, carbon fiber shafts on his driver. Right. And that's a, I mean, I haven't bought golf clubs for a long time, but I'm going to say it's at least a couple hundred bucks. And yeah. it just, uh, <laughs> no. And that's it. It's gone. And now he's got no driver. Um, Good. I don't know, you know how he's going to get home. And the, and the problem you have with, the, with these giant coconut crabs, it's like the stingray problem. What do you grab onto? I mean, there is a way to do it. 
But when they're everywhere, it's just not an easy thing to get a grip of because there's a, about 10% of the surface area where it can't get you and 90% where you're probably going to get got. So it's not an easy thing to deal with. It's, 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 it's the ultimate hot potato. That's what Forrest always says about trying to handle a mustelid. He's like, yeah. it's just they're, they're impossible to handle because they can get you no matter where you're holding it. It's yeah. like a baby. It's like an eight-month-old boy. <laughs> impossible to handle you cannot you cannot keep them still they will never sit still yeah i i know my my daughter was fairly easy to change my son it's like trying to gift wrap a wolverine it's you know i just like it takes two of us it can't be done it can't can't. (laughs) he's just like he's just like nope like you're trying all these different strategies (laughs) all i'm saying is and i know nobody gives a shit about our babies but they're fucking animals Baby boys are literally fucking just like any wild animal you encounter in the wild. We were were, were talking about this off air and I was just saying there should be various, you know, preparation courses for parenting (laughs) that we just don't have. They have these stupid touchy-feely books and videos. And Here's the tip. If there's a video instruction and someone's playing music over it, it's not true. (laughs) It's not going to help you. You should uh, should come to the... That's what we did. We just watched... It was like... We paid like 20 bucks and you get like six 20 minute videos of just someone. Yeah. And then we were like, okay, we got it. We know what yeah, to we, do now. We, got I, we, should <laughs> start a, we should start like a special forces, new parent <laughs> school and the wild times parenting school. And the first lesson is you got to be in like a kiddie pool full of liquid feces. And, <laughs> and, you, and you do, you have to, you have to somehow wrap a ferret in, yep. in, in, in in plastic wrap, Cellophane. and if you yeah. don't if you don't succeed, you you, you got to stay in that pool of liquid feces until you've wrapped that ferret, and then and then it's like okay, you can put a diaper on a baby, and <laughs> right. and, and then and then you've got to and then you've got to push, I don't know, a gallon of pulpy fruit into the into a, into like the mouth of a shrew, yeah, and, and, and not spill any. And and by the way, you have to be playing like a baby screaming over a, over a loudspeaker yeah, while and you, doing and that. And you don't start this until three days of no sleep. That's when you. <laughs> that's that's when it stopped. That's it's, just the warm up. This sounds worse than the seals it's, training, by the way. It's how it we, is. It's how we arrested Manuel Noriega. We were just like, we're, literally, we just they just blasted Guns and Roses songs on repeat over speakers <laughs> until he came out. Yeah, it's the it's, same with it's the baby a mess. crying. Right? A was, that was how they did it. I didn't they oh Noriega. I was you know, I was thinking of, of Escobar that killed him. I just thought no, wow, they killed him was, with guns and roses, but no Escobar, yeah, Nicaragua. <laughs> yeah, he was holed up inside a church and but they just put giant speakers out and used audio torture. And he finally <laughs> and he came out. He was that, like, All right, enough, turn enough, it off, please. Enough. And that was <laughs> that was when Axel Rose was was really, you know, he oh, was man. he I, was chiseled God. And now Oh, I, will say, I will say I saw him like seven years ago when they played yeah. at Dodger Stadium. Still got the pipes. Still hits all the notes, boys. I'm, gotta, I'm always you gotta respect that. I'm always impressed, but you know, you know, there's like bands like Mumford and Sons is one, for example, or like there's bands where you know when this person turns like 45 or 50, there's no way they can sing like Mariah Carey. There's no way she's yeah. gonna be able to sing like that as she gets older, you know. And then that Guns and Roses is definitely that he's that guy, and yet he's like 55. Obese and can still sing that <laughs> still way. Crushes it. He can Ozzy, still bring that Ozzy way. Osbourne, meatloaf, oh until God. rest in rest his soul. But you know, I it's people who've got it, but they maintain their instrument. You got to respect that. Definitely. Um, you know, I would like to think that we will continue 
to to flourish with the kind of you know technicolor inanity. I mean, people listen to this show and it's just logic and insight just disappears up its own asshole. And it's, <laughs> well, it's like that's the beauty of it. Well, I think people love the show. They should. From I what love, I love the, the show. The ten people that have contacted me about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and Dozens. kind of have an announcement. Well, let's let's tee it up. Let's tee it up. Big announcer. We should have teed it up at the beginning of the podcast if we were any kind of fucking people. Who well, know this what is they the were first. Doing. This is the first announcement. There'll okay. probably be another one. So when if Forrest you've gets back. listened, like Forrest always says, to this point in the podcast, uh, <laughs> big announcement. We've got a new podcast coming um, out on the Wild Times Network. You'll be able to find it right here on this YouTube. It's going to have its own right. It's going to have its own audio channel, right, Peter? Yeah, it's going to be its own listeners. Own- well, no, yeah, we'll get it. We'll get it sorted. Yeah, it, it'll be okay. good for them. A new right. podcast it's called "Semi Indestructible" with right. Bradley Trevor Greve. BTG. That's right. That's right. He's been working on this thing. We we asked him three years ago. He's been on it for three years. I think we're finally going to get an Day. episode rolling. He, I will say Day he's put more work into prepping his first four episodes than we have in our 114. So about what are you going to do? What's it going to be? What's the format going to be? Well, you know, it is definitely going to be part of the wild times family. So yep. if you, if you, if you like this show, then you'll enjoy what we're going to do in semi indestructible. Basically it's, it's, it's a recipe for adventure gluttony. It's going to be a series <laughs> of stories and adventures and stuff that I love. I'm going to give some advice on how to do some of the things that have almost killed me. I love and, that part. And share some of the people who I find inspiring. And also just introduce you to the kind of inanity, the kind of, of glorious strangeness, the sense of, of injurious wonder that is the wild world that is, you know, I've been addicted to. Since you know, I got like my the first chlamydia in your eyes. Stories. Of, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the ticket. That's the that's the cost of entry. If you don't get some sort of urinary slash eye infection <laughs> from listening to this show, then I'm not doing my job. Fact. Uh, yeah, I love it, and I think that's I something it. that people are really going to like. Is like the here's how you can go do this stuff, right? Because it's one yeah. thing just to be like, here's a crazy story about a time I was in the Amazon or training to be right. an astronaut in Russia, right? But here's how you can do it which I think is going to be, is going to be, people are going to love. Yeah. I think of me, think of me as, uh, basically, uh, 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 your own personal liability slash mentor who can explain <laughs> to you, uh, look, I've, I've been around I've seen a lot of stuff, done a lot of things, got the x-rays to prove it. I'd like to share with you the, the things that I have loved the most about my life and death so far, the things that I hope to do, how I plan to do them. But one of the things that I've learned is that there's a very simple life choice to be made. First of all, you got to embrace death. That's, that's just a given. If you can get over that, anything's impossible. If you start to love the unknown, not only do you become someone who's open to science, but you're sure someone... your wife loves that. Yeah, she loves it. She loves it. Not, especially when I'm, I'm coaching my, my, my now four-year-old. <laughs> I just like, <laughs> sweetheart, you got to embrace death. And then we can ride, and then we can really ride this What's scooter. That? Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I'm I'm quoting Asocles. I'm like, don't worry about it. You know, you and death can't exist in the same moment. Just go down the hill. And um, <laughs> so, you know, there's embracing death, but I but I guess I've, I've tried to have a certain degree of of introspection, which for you know an adult white male is not easy. It's not how we got here. And I would say the big thing I've learned is more and different. If you 
approach life looking to do more than most people and things different from most people, you'll end up having an extraordinary life adventure and you'll be able to get the best out of yourself and share that with a lot of people. And I think about my journey from the killing fields to here and just so grateful not to be dead like many of my brothers and embracing that responsibility to to share that. So it's not going to be over self-serious. You won't come out a better person, but you'll have some fun. You'll learn some things. And uh, I'll give you the tickets to the afterlife. Yeah, stay tuned. We will. Uh, we're getting. We're going to get a few in the bank. Yeah, and uh, we will be all the information about new release dates and all that. Will will we'll come maybe next on the next podcast. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I I like to come on and uh, and we'll promote it. Obviously, I feel entitled to get some of that sweet, sweet, fat, tired nectar in order to get psyched for this <laughs> Absolutely. jump. Absolutely. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I got to send gotta... you two pallets worth, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, if, if anyone deserves a fat tire, it's the guy who couldn't catch a code in his backyard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> fact. I well, got to stop saying fact. It's ridiculous. <laughs> we're excited. Uh, I think it's going to be, I think the listeners are going to love it. A little extra content, yeah. different perspectives. Yeah, it's going to be great. And if you like extra content, you should also check out our Patreon where we have have four extra podcasts a month. That's one a week. Check it out on Patreon. Actually, Spotify has both the video and the audio as well. So check it out there too if that's easier for you. Go there. Get your Wild Times content in. If you think we don't release enough podcasts, you're wrong. This is our life. We release six a month and you only see two of them. Now go. Wild times. I love it. Good, Wild, well, good tra- job. Hold on. I was trying to think of the website. Patreon.com. I'm trying to figure out if you're wearing for- colored. Are you wearing colored contacts? No, man. That's just my eyes. Although wow. I did spill. I did spill oil or something on my shirt. And- actually, my armpits smell so bad right now. Go actually, to patreon.com forward slash wild times pod. Both of you shut up. I'm talking to you, Patrick and BTG. Uh, go to wild times dot club for <laughs> shut up go to wildtimes.club forward slash info for all the links to everything else i feel I like that stain on your shirt was more informative than what you just said wildtimes.club not dot com uh wildtimes.club forward slash info. i'm sorry this is such a mess pat wow. keeps sending private it's like, messages it's like teaching a rock to speak uh, let me let me start it's- over Go to the Patreon. <laughs> no. Go to the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Wild Times Club to get links to all of our other assets, our, uh, all the audio places and the YouTube and everything else. Go to wildtimes.club forward slash info. <laughs> BTG's new podcast coming our way. Gents, I love you. It's Friday. That's right. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Cheers, everybody. Great to be back. And I look forward to coming on soon. When, wait, when you said love you, is that to the Brosners or to of course. BTG? Never to you. Well, maybe BTG. Although it's, like, it's like it's like if you could imagine, have you ever seen a dog fart and its its mouth, its anus kind of opens and he like it's going to say it something. Takes a minute. That's yeah. how I feel looking at you. Irrit taff. Oh, there's a word forming here. Get your irrit taffs at the store, everybody. Fat tire. Good night. Good night.